0: Hi, you're listening to The Get, the podcast about finding and keeping great marketing leaders in B2B SaaS. I'm Erica Seidel, your host. About 18 months ago, I got a call from a SaaS fintech company in Nashville called End Contracts. They wanted a new marketing leader. I was a bit nervous about doing the search because my network in Nashville is not huge, but I'm so glad I did. I ended up placing Guy Weismantel into that role. He transplanted himself from Seattle. The company has doubled since then. Guy joins us today. You'll hear some great lessons about scaling, like when to fight the urge to move too fast. You'll also learn two questions that you can ask as a CMO candidate to diagnose how the board views marketing and how to not get offended when board members don't understand what marketing can do. We talk about the Moneyball hiring approach for a scale-up. And Guy shares what I think is my favorite quote so far. Pipeline doesn't pay the bills, ARR does. Let's get to it. Guy, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Erica. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. This is fun.
0: I'd love to get right into it and ask you to maybe talk about a few mistakes to avoid when scaling a marketing function for a B2B SaaS company. So if somebody is a little bit earlier in their CMO journey than you um, have been in your career, what kind of mistakes or hard-won learnings can you share that, uh, that stick out to you from your experiences?
1: Yeah, I've certainly, certainly made a few uh, along the journey. And uh, if anything I could pass along to someone that um, can avoid them, I'm, I'm really happy to do. One of the things that I think is just an impulse for all of us to take on marketing roles and you know see a big opportunity in front of us is, is a little bit to try to do too much too soon. And that sounds a little bit counterproductive because when you're trying to scale, you are trying to get a lot done. There's always an interesting analogy like a caterpillar can only move as fast as its back legs, right? Like the front legs may want to move really, really fast, but it can only go as, as fast as the back legs are going. And I think there's a tendency, I know I certainly had it, to think oh, I'm here, we need to invest in a ton of tech and invest in a ton of people and really start to scale. And in a lot of cases, the org is not quite ready or can't handle that much change that fast. And so you have this, this idea of scaling the means more or bigger or faster, and could actually mean like doing more things under the waterline to allow you to move faster later. And so the bright, shiny object to get the new toys and get the things that help you get better attribution is you know, you just want to start doing all these things so you can go faster. But in my experience, sometimes, you know, they can fall over, like you don't have someone to implement those tools or who's going to administer those tools or what is the data even actionable out of these things that you buy or, you know, you want to invest in, in a person, but do you have enough for them to do or the right thing for them to do? And so I think that's a mistake I've made where you just go, okay, I get it. Let's go. But sometimes taking a breath and kind of assessing. You know, what is going to work in this work, uh, in the structure that I'm in, and what can I be effective implementing? That's kind of one. A bigger one, and it, it'll sound cliched, but making sure you're aligned on scale, what scale means to your CEO, to your CRO, even to the board, I think is super important. Because again, you know, we can attach ourselves to, I need we need to double growth or triple that, you know, I go, okay, great. Let me go put a plan together to do that. But I think when I hear that, like I've, I've learned to kind of just take a beat and go, okay, well, what does that really mean? Like, how how do we think about doing that? And how are we beyond marketing resource to get there? Because it's client services. Do we have people that implement the product? Do we have people to support the product? And so I, you know, sales and marketing can maybe grow, but if the rest of the org isn't aligned with that, I think you get yourself in trouble, you know? And, I, and I've seen that where you, you you oversell, you overpromise, and then you can't deliver. And so scale is not just about how, many new marketing campaigns or ads we get into the market to try to generate leads it's about can the organization kind of keep up and are you all aligned on what that means you know what i've also found is that as marketers we tend to want to move fast but the rest of the org maybe has a little bit different expectation and so doubling the growth you know it might not mean in the next year maybe it's over the next 18 months and so really understanding what that looks like and then you know i think the the last is you know really what you're capable of achieving you know i, I again i think we, feel like we're super men, super women, that we can kind of do it all. But there are just some things that uh, scale involves that we're not resourced for. We don't have the things in place that are going to allow us to achieve those things. And so I know I've gotten in, you know over my head by over-promising thinking I can do it all when when actually there are just other pieces that I, I don't you know I have access to or I, I can't get in place that inhibit scale. So I think those are some t- learnings that I've I picked up along the way. But I think that tendency to kind of want to, you know, uh, just almost like tortoise and air, like just run, you know, you, you start going after the scale right away, kind of slowing down a little bit and understanding, okay, what do we need to put in place now? What can we live with? You know, a lot of times it's almost smarter to kind of survey the scene and kind of go, okay, what people do I have? Maybe there's people not in my org, but they're in the organization that can help me. What tools are maybe we not utilizing, you know, that are sitting on the shelf that I can repurpose and use rather than just buying another license for something? And I think that's where I probably got smarter in my job is, you know, allow myself to kind of even with aggressive goals and and aggressive targets to kind of take a step back, take a breath, kind of almost let the game come to you. You know, like a lot of veteran sports people, they don't kind of rush out. They kind of go, okay, what am I seeing here? And the ability to assess that, I think, is going to ultimately help you scale faster going forward. That's what I've learned.
0: I love that. I love this kind of go slow to go fast almost. And I like what you're talking about aligning on what scale means. Can you double click on that? And like, how should a marketing leader tackle that conversation or set of conversations most likely within the company on on what scale means? Because it's like the marketing leader is often the chief diplomat of the organization, you know, aligning everybody like kind of like a shuttle diplomat. I always like to think of a CMO that way. What do those conversations need? to look like for them to be successful.
1: I think it's a really interesting point because scale means different things to different people, right? And so, you know, we, we may say, hey, we want to double our ARR, you know, in the next 12 months. Maybe there's new products that are going to come to market that help us grow faster. Is there a new part of the addressable market that we're not in right now that we've got to develop awareness and give it air cover to sales so they they are able to sell in easier? Like there's a lot of variables that go into scale and, and I reference in just kind of what we were saying you know, what's the rest of the organization? How are they going to support this scale? Our NPS starts tanking and we have to start having a lot more churn. That's as big an issue as growing the top line that a board's going to care about if, you know, stuff's falling out the bottom as well. And so I think the key is you're going to be part of that executive team, like really all understand what it's going to take or what, what do we have at our disposal that can help us, you know, achieve the scale that maybe the board is saying, Hey, here's what we want to have you guys go do in the next 12, 24 months as a newer person on, on the team where I came into a team that was, you know, been together for a while, it kind of was in my best interest to listen to their experience on what they, you know, what they'd been able to achieve before I got there and leverage that a little bit more. And I think the other, you know, maybe it's not a mistake, but it is a learning that goes with this is I think again, there's a tendency that you're the new person. You've got to prove that you can scale with everybody else. But I think kind of taking up that hat a little bit and going, okay, well, how what can I leverage about, uh, of things that are already being done? that I can either do better or more of, or just let someone else take the lead on some of these things and sit in the passenger chair and help them drive scale. I, I mentioned products specifically because in many cases on marketing, it's our job to, you know, whether it's getting a, a product in market or to, you know, find a new market and push the pedal down on getting more opportunities in the hands of the salespeople. But in many cases, the product team has done a lot of this thinking already and they already have kind of the, the roadmap that you don't have to build something from scratch. They've already identified who the ICP is and and the customer feedback as they're going through the development process. And instead of me creating that from scratch, we can scale faster if I leverage the work that this team's been working on for the last 12 months, you know, to get this product out. So there are lots of little examples. And and I think making sure everyone is aligned on how we go achieve it and not just the CEO going, hey, we're going to go make this number. That's the worst case, right? Like you've got to have everyone bought in. And as a marketer, to your point, our work touches all these other different departments. And so if we can get everyone to understand the gives and takes and who's going to be lead and who's going to be second chair of how we help scale, because marketing will be the lead sometimes and helping other times supporting, um, that's super important to get everyone on the same page. And again, it, it is a little bit more like, hey, let's take a beat and make sure we all know what this looks like. And then we're off to the races. And I think sometimes there's a tendency to just be like, hey, I figured out the plan of how we're going to go do this. And it has nothing to do with you know what everyone else is thinking. And that was something I certainly did earlier in my career as well.
0: You also had this great analogy when we talked before about scaling, being like Tarzan on a swing where you're going from one, you know, edge of the river to the, to the, I don't know if it was a river in, uh, Tarzan <laughs> swinging river. over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <no>. um, <laughs> but like, you know, this idea of like sticking with, you know, sometimes this is in the, in the theme of kind of going slow to go fast, but sticking mm-hmm. with the tools and processes of yesterday and stretching them as yeah. far as they can go with or then, you know, that might be some people, some tools and processes versus jump to the next iteration of them. And I I think that's just an interesting way to think about it. Do you think yeah. that's common for people to think about it that way?
1: You know, I don't know. I don't, I must have been watching the Jungle Cruise with my son or something and picked it up. But I'm like, it's an interesting because I think it's our, again, our tendency, you know, with 10,000 marketing tools out there and, you know, a, a lot of different best practices that were, oh, we should do that. Oh, they ran this campaign. Let's run this campaign too and try it. The shiny object syndrome in marketing is, you know, as bright as it has probably ever been in, in the history of the discipline, right? So there's always a new thing to go try or to go do, and I think I just learned, like Tarzan, like you you can't stay on the branch too long, right? Because your arm gets tired. Like the goal is to get to the other side of the river, but I think there's some wisdom and value in not just grabbing the next branch that comes along, because I think um, that I will I will torture the metaphor any further, but I think you know if sometimes doing that you you actually end up farther off the path than than you would have if you just waited a little bit longer because the way that, you know, not only marketing, but business changes so quickly that sometimes making too many short-term decisions just to show advancement or show progress or see I'm doing my part to help scale actually gets you in a corner where you've got to back out. And now I've got to rehire, I've got to retool, or I've got to revert back to what we were doing because this didn't work. And so, you know, I've seen that, you know, certainly friends and peers that that's happened to, I've done it myself. And I think there is some benefit to kind of hanging back a little bit and not, again, you need to get to the next branch, but it's not just the next one you've got to go grab. And and that's not the next email you get from some tech vendor that says, we can improve this by 25%. It's like, oh, yeah, we want 25%. Let's go do that. And I think that's how I try to think about these things and evaluate them with the eye on, yeah, I got to get across that river at some point here. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's so funny. It's like, to at the risk of like killing this metaphor. It's like, you know, sometimes you swing up the riverbank as opposed to, yeah, across exactly. to the
1: or other side. Or you just miss it, you know, altogether. <laughs> and that happens, but it's not in our nature to go slow as marketing because marketing moves so fast. There's so much data. There's so much insight that we should be able to glean, but trends are different than fads. Like fads are kind of like the supernova. It just happens. And you're like, oh my gosh, look at this thing that's happening. Let's pivot a trend is something that just happens a little bit over a longer period of time. Right. And so if I can, if I can not just overreact to the the thing that just happened, but okay, let's see if it happened again. And then twice, maybe it isn't a fluke. And then three times, okay, now we've got something here. Now let's go do it. And I can back that up with data. And I, you know, if it's me going to my CEO saying, Hey, I need another X, you know, number of dollars to go fund this. I'll have the data points because I'll have waited to see like, yep, this is something I think we can really go exploit. And that's going to help us go faster. And that's a conversation that any CEO or board is going to want to have with you when you can show up having kind of waited and seen it through and maybe done some testing to get there. But you are confident and you're backed up by what you saw. And then they're going to want to pour some gas on the fire for you. And that's the best part.
0: Can you talk about how the board questions marketing change as you go from, say, 15 million all the way up to 100 million?
1: They do change. You know, you have a different, um, I want to use this word carefully, but. Uh, well, different type of investor. I was going to say quality, and it's not that people aren't smart at any level, but why they're on the board, the return they're looking to get, the holding period they're looking to get, the pace at which they want to scale, the, all those things can be very different as you are at companies of different levels. I've been I've been lucky enough in the career that I've been able to build to have some experiences at, at these different levels. And Part of the change that you you tend to see is in the depth and the the strategic nature of what the board's actually looking to do. Like, of course, earlier stage, assuming you've proven out the product market fit and you know you've got a market and you you have some infrastructure. I'm not talking about maybe you're the the first marketer of a three person company, you know, but a going concern. You know, we said kind of fifteen million. That's a going concern company. Like that's a product that's growing fast, but that's still you know a little bit more tactical in terms of how we take advantage of a new market that we're in that we can kind of get market share and get to the top of the mountain. And as you get farther up, you know, what I've noticed is, you know, you have a different type of investor. You tend to get out of the VC world and into the private equity world. Those folks are, are holding for a different reason than a VC that's trying to get maybe a little bit shorter, you know, return. And so they're going to care about shorter return metrics. If a P firm is in, you know, the typical five, three, five year holding period, they're going to want to see like what's the progression during the time that, you know, we have ownership of this company, if it's you know, long or short or whatever, but just average. How are you guys building to help us hit the ultimate goal? We've got some time to get there. We don't have to get it all in the first 24 months. But that's also as you get in the higher end, you know, for marketers looking to take advantage of those opportunities or, or get into those opportunities, the expectation of the CMO is also very different as well. Again, at, at an earlier stage, they are looking for someone who, who tactically can help get the programs in market that can help achieve that growth, partner with sales, you know, and really kind of go grab market share because that's really what you're all about. But when you get into that 50 to 100, you know, they're looking for marketers that are going to come with with some sort of a playbook, like some sort of a vision, some sort of a way to know, hey, here's how you do scale this organization. It's not just putting more campaigns and more ad dollars in market. It's it's the integrated process of how you use all the marketing engines at your disposal. Because by 50 million, you should have most of them at your disposal. You may not be running. Dreamforce, you know, type of events, but you're going to have opportunities to engage with your prospects and your customers in in many, many different ways. Versus when you're really small, you've just got a few channels that you know that you're probably going to be able to afford to get in front of them on. So having this ability to get in in sync and alignment with your CEO, with the board of what this growth looks like and how you can lead the marketing organization to help achieve it becomes increasingly important. At, At a smaller level, you know they're not going to ask you to kind of detail the playbook and present out the plan at a larger level, like where I've been placed and you know other companies, like they want you to arrive and they want to see your thinking. You know, They don't necessarily care about the answer. It's like the teacher who wants to see your work and they don't care as much if the answer was a little bit wrong, but they want to see how do you plan to help them get there. And again, it doesn't have to all be in the first six weeks of you arriving, but they want to see how you're going to be able to do it. And, and that's the big difference as you get a little bit bigger. You've got to, you know, the cliche, you've got to kind of seen the play before you don't have to know everything about everything. It's impossible in marketing, but you do have to know where you've got blind spots or weak spots. And if they happen to be areas that you think are going to be important to the growth of the company and to the scale of the company, how you hire people around you how you fill those gaps, how you think about, you know, addressing them. Because, you know, we all come to these roles if we're interviewing as imperfect candidates. Very, you know, none of us have every single thing and check in the box. There's always something that they're going to want to do that we haven't done before. We haven't done for a while. So part of this scaling exercise is showing them how you kind of fill those gaps and how you um, can take advantage of them as well going forward. They'll want to see that. And I think once they see that, then you've got that inherent alignment once you're on the other side of the fence in the role to have them help you implement it. Because this is the plan that you kind of laid out. This is the approach that you think you want to take. Now, when they see the tactics behind that, it's going to make a lot more sense and you'll have that buy-in right away. And that, that expectation is there when you get it to a higher level. It's something you can kind of, work concurrently with the board, you know, in in smaller um, type of companies, you're, it's, you're not making it up as you go along, but you are developing it as the company grows versus as you got to scale from like 50 to 100. That's way different than scaling from like 10 to 15. And so that playbook and that background and that the understanding of how you help the company get there is super, super important.
0: That's so interesting because I've been thinking a lot about the playbook versus adaptability and how I think there's like this sweet spot. And and you're right at different points and from different investors, you know, you have a different expectation for that playbook. But you also want to show that adaptability to the situation because every situation is different. And one question that I heard from somebody, which I've started asking myself before I take on a search, and also what I I suggest candidates ask this is, what are the questions that came up at the last board meeting? Meeting about marketing that you struggled to answer. Yeah. Because that way, if you're a CMO candidate interviewing with a CEO, you know, you g- get a sense of kind of what the level of discussion is and what the big question marks are. Yeah. And you can kind of fill in the blanks and go from there.
1: I-, I love that. I think that's so true. I think at a level where you're you're coming into these roles, you're going to be interviewing with the board anyway, right? Like that you're going to be in front of the board and the CEO. And so I think getting in that head of the CEO of. What role marketing needs to play in the growth of the company is super important as you think about joining. I'm very lucky that I, I work for a CEO. It hasn't always been the case, but it certainly is here. Someone who really views marketing as a part of our growth story and the growth engine. It's not in support of, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't roll up to sales, it rolls up to the CEO. It's got a seat at the table. It's, it's a full partner in how we scale our organization. I think that's super important to look for. But the corollary to that is, as you talk to the board or the CEO, same thing. Like, what are you looking for? Like, what questions do you look for the CMO to be able to answer? Or what do you expect from marketing in this role? And, and mm. those could be scary because, you know, I, I've been in some interviews where I'm like, I'm not sure I know how to answer that question. You know, That's not a question I've actually had before. So how would I answer that? And That can be like, yeah, oh, maybe I just want to stay away from that question. And I would say, no, the opposite. You've got to lean into finding out what is on the minds of the key board people. If they have those board people interviewing you, that's who's going to be questioning you in the board meeting cuz that's the person who's going to be closest to marketing they may be a marketing expert they may have past experience being a marketer so they're interviewing you for a reason and so really getting into their heads and understanding how do you know that marketing is performing what does good look like what about your other portfolio companies like what is a great you know marketing presentation look like kind of get into their heads and then to your point like what what has been missing like you're obviously hiring for this role for a reason what are you not getting from marketing that you are looking for this role to help, you know, fulfill and actually exceed on. And if you can get that, that again, that's going to be part of, you know, hopefully if you get to present to the board, you know, or present to the management team, incorporate that into your presentation. But even more importantly, if you're going to put together kind of a 30, 60, 90 plan as you get on board, like making sure that you know how to go answer those questions or you have the prioritization to go get those questions or those metrics answered. So you can at least establish a baseline and then go, okay, we're here. I know we've got to get here. Now let's put the plan together because we know that this is actually what we need to go measure. And sometimes scale is about just understanding the starting point or what hasn't happened. And again, going back to what I started with, sometimes you, we've got these grand visions of what we've actually got to achieve. And once you do the the math, it's like, oh, actually, we're we're not that bad. We just start showing it the right way or we just haven't you know thought about this in the right way. We don't have to increase by 100%. We have to increase by 30. And that's still a lot, but it's not as impossible as you might think. So I think that alignment with the board is, is hypercritical. We all know that we read the stats that CMOs tend to have a shorter tenure in the executive suite than some of our counterparts. But I think one of the ways we can overcome that is by getting on the same page before we come in the door with the CEO, to your point, and the board to understand what those expectations are, and then make sure we're going to be resourced to actually achieve those expectations. And then we can, that allows to scale.
0: So a question say you have that conversation with the board members and you say, what's your expectation of marketing? And what you get back is something absurdly tactical or absurdly like, you know, make it pretty department or, or what have you. Do you recommend that a CMO candidate should say, pardon my French, screw that. I don't want to do this job because their vision is not mine. Or do you recommend they try to evolve that perception in the interview process?
1: That's a really interesting way to kind of think about that because there is a there is a strain of thought which is if you're just wanting a good looking website and you think our brand color should be you know red and green instead of blue and gold then then that may not be the job for you right and and so there are jobs like that and but again that goes back to what what role is marketing actually play in the growth and if it's if it's those types of questions then the board maybe isn't thinking of marketing as this growth engine but i do think there is also this other side which you know i will speak in generalities here we shouldn't expect, sometimes I think we do expect as marketers, like the board to know everything about market, like they're in depth on what all these metrics are and, and they're not, and they shouldn't be They're They're in charge of the whole company, not just marketing. Even if there may be a, someone on the board who has the background, like they're thinking of the company as a whole entity, not the parts. So it is our job to say, Hey, you're looking at this metric and I want to talk about that metric, but also here's why we actually, are not emphasizing that. We're actually emphasizing this. And this is why we think it's this is more meaningful to us. And I think just it's a both and type of answer. Like, yeah, if they just care about how many NQLs are you generating for sales. Like, you know, okay, it's up by 10%. Check the box. Mark Green's doing its job. That's not marketing these days. We all know that. But I do think there is an opportunity to increase our own stature, increase our credibility with this audience, extend our tenure by leading the board on a journey of where we're scaling, where we're taking them, and what metrics we are able to demonstrate are actually contributing to the growth of this business and we shouldn't be upset or offended that they may not know those metrics to the depth of the level or be thinking of them like we are that is our job to educate them and, and not be like well of course you would look at you know this metric or this metric or why are you looking at that metric that doesn't matter they're bringing their own biases their own experiences what happens at their other companies you know to this discussion and part of our job is to help bring them along on our journey and show them why this number means and the impact of this number on, on the pipeline or on the ER, whatever the metric is that we're going after. I think it's both. And I think sometimes we don't do a good job of that as marketers because we get offended that they don't understand our discipline. And that yeah. then you kind of have this chasm that develops between the four doesn't think marketing's doing a good job. Marketing's working their butts off to go ahead and be successful, but I think there's a middle ground that we can both achieve.
0: Can you talk about budgets and, uh, you know, has it ever been hard to get more budget to support the marketing to, to itself support greater scale and any, you know, kind of hard won learnings about, about that?
1: Probably more just battle scars on budgeting. I think we all are, you know, it's, there is, you know, there's just an inherent marketing is cost center type of mentality that exists in a lot of places. There's marketing should only be this percent of revenue because that's what, you know, some analyst firm says it should be this percent. I think that is part of our job as leaders to educate CEOs, executive teams, boards on what it's going to take to actually help marketing achieve the growth goals of the organization. There's not a hard and fast rule. If you're, if you are a $10 million company versus a hundred million dollar company, like you're going to spend different, are you in a growth mode? Are you in the last year of the private equity company owning, you know, you and they want to show more profit. Like you're, guess what? You're getting a budget cut guys. Like we're going to, we're going to be on maximum efficiency in that last year of ownership. Like that's just how the cycles go. So I think that that's where data, it plays a huge, huge part. And again, if, if the, the cliche kind of understanding is, well, marketing, I know I, I throw money in, but I don't know how it comes out. I don't know what we're getting for this. Our ability to associate and get down into the channel and understand not just vanity metrics, like impressions, even leads, like Even Pipeline, like Pipeline's great, but actually what turned into ARR? Like what actually was a booking? Because even like I see people now where it's like, no, 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 I I again, we don't want to just do leads and it's not, you know, how many clicks? It's Pipeline. I'm like, yeah, it is, but actually Pipeline doesn't pay the bills. It's only ARR that pays the bills. And and ultimately, if I can show by investing here, this is what does actually come out the other side, not just in Pipeline, which is also around sales efficiency and effectiveness. It's not, you know, far less on marketing, but part of a revenue team. You know, if, if we want to, you know, another 100K to invest, I can put it in another sales rep or I can put it in, an, you know, these marketing programs. What's the best ROI that actually results in a closed one opportunity, um, an ARR, like our ability to trace that through and be able to say, I'm going to put 50K in this. I'm going to put 25 here and 25 here. And here's what I know is going to come out the other side with reasonable certainty that's going to help you in budget season. It's going to help you if you want to go after more and not just be stuck with, oh, you only get X percent because that's what we always do. And it's also going to protect you from other people poaching your budget from other departments because guess what? They need more developers. They need more, you know, success people. They need more, say they're always going to need other people and marketing because we tend to have big numbers, you know, in big buckets like events and advertising. And it's like, well, just cut 10% from advertising and we can, no, if you do that, this is what we're going, this is, What's gonna happen to the lead flow? This is what's you the more you can understand the data and the impact of the levers you can pull, that's gonna make you it we're you know, we're in budget season right now. So it's it's the time where I come armed now with information. And yes, I wanna be a team player. Yes, we have trade-offs. Yes, I can't get everything that I, you know, put in my first draft, which is just the kitchen sink, but I know how to defend and what you know what is very meaningful if we're going to make a trade-off. This is the impact of that trade-off. And I think as CMOs. Heads of marketing. We've got to know the data because otherwise marketing is just this glob of money that people go, well, let's just cut marketing because we, we, we don't know we're getting out of it.
0: Let's pivot now into kind of org and hiring. Now, you are in a situation where you guys have acquired multiple companies, yeah. as I recall, since, yeah. uh, since I placed you there. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk about maybe an org decision that you made that worked out well as you went through the scaling and, and acquiring um,
1: climb? You know, when you're a fast growing company, but still, you know, pretty small, we're, we just crossed 300 people in our company. So we're not, we're not huge, but we're growing really, really fast, partly by acquisition, as you mentioned, and, and just organically as well, just our business is growing. One of the things that I think I've, I've gotten better at is not just having an eye for talent, but setting up a talent or an org model. And I think that there's, you know, again, a tendency earlier in the career, it's like, I want, you know, I want an all-star team, right? I want five Michael Jordans. I want people that are just the best at what they do. And when you're a smaller company, I mean, heck, when I was at Microsoft, you you don't have the budget to hire five Michael Jordans. And so, but especially, you know, in in this kind of fast growing B2B SaaS world, I think one of the biggest things I've learned is to really place some chips on some people that can be with you over the long term and and understand that that's going to eat up a good part of your people budget, your personnel budget, and be willing to live with some role players or people early in their career who are going to be more tactical and just, you know, more functionally focused and kind of fill them in. Yeah. You know, the analogy, I think we've talked about this in the past that I, I love on the book and the movie Moneyball. And I think as CMOs for this size of company that's growing really fast, but is, is still not huge. The analogy really applies because I don't have the budget to hire five rock stars, you know, who have, you know, 15 years of experience and, you know, want a ton of money and all the things. I can hire a couple of those people. And so Finding those people that can help you scale faster and who know how to hire and know have a good eye for talent as well is super super critical. Because I think we've done a pretty good job. I pat myself on the back. I'll, I'll hurt my you know uh, arm by trying to reach over. But you know, finding really great people who are more tenured and then finding hungry people who want to make a mark and want to learn something. You know, like one of the realities of our our labor market these days and and the tech market in general is just very few people laughs at a company their whole careers, like that's not a reality anymore. So, you know, we really focus a lot more, especially when we're finding people who are in their career, like, what is the experience you're looking to get? Like what are you looking to get out of this experience? Like what what does this experience help you do better? And if you can you can find someone who's hungry to learn, who, you know, knows something about a particular area, they might be really good at, you know, digital marketing and they really want to get into the demand gen side, but they want to leverage those skills. I love those people. Like I can coach them, I can teach them, like we can have, you know, the director level people kind of mentor them and scale them up. And I'm lucky enough to have a bunch of those people on the team. But I also know, and we're we're very upfront with each other, like, hey, we're going to be together for a portion of your career. You've got a long career ahead of you. My goal is to make this experience a really memorable one for you, one that you look back and go, that was a fun team. I learned a lot. I really had a chance to try a bunch of things and it helped shape me to be a marketing leader of the future. And I try not to be too sappy about it, but, but I do think there is merit you know, when you get to be a marketing leader, like one of the things I do is coach and give references for people who, you know, work for me, who are getting to that level now. And so I try to put the team together in such a way where I can invest in some really higher talents, more experienced people who can help me with that coaching and then fill in with people who have that ambition, you know, but are team players that want to help the team win. And as they spin out and sometimes I'm having that conversation with them, like, Hey, you're going to get out of the nest here in the next six months. So let's work on what that looks like. Or, they come to me and go, hey, I, just, I found this great opportunity. I got to go do it. And I'd be like, yeah, you've got to go do that. I, I I would do that too. That's great. But I, we, we know that we're going to have this time together. So how do we make the most of it? And I think getting those questions up ahead of time will help you put the right pieces in place. And it doesn't always work, you know, especially with acquired companies, like you're inheriting talent. You didn't really have a say in it, you know, and if that's the case, your job is, you know, to do a few things like, you know, first of all, have empathy. For them coming into a brand new situation. They didn't ask for this. They didn't have a say in it. So now they've got to adjust to a whole new process and team and boss and expectations. But I think in those cases, like just being transparent, you know, being consistent between the acquired people and the team that you have. So they see this is there's no special treatment or there's not, you know, anything different about it. And then, you know, as fast as you can, like get them, get them up to speed on what the team's expectations are is, is a great way to kind of evaluate if that talent can along for the ride, or in, you know, in some cases they're just not culturally or just not hardwired how you are going to run your team.
0: I love all the, a lot of these points. You know, it makes me think of that book, The Startup of You, by Reid Hoffman, who talks about the the tour of duty and how like yeah. it's okay to not be at a company for right. you know ten or thirty years. But and I like this idea of creating a nice nest because I think what candidates are looking for these days it's really different. It's like you hire the whole person in a sense; they want a family. You know, everybody's looking more at culture and. I've been thinking about maybe I should start writing job specs where it starts about the culture and the kind of values of the company and then gets into what the company actually does. Because I think that's what people care about more. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, and I think I could just picture you with all of your personality and oomph, you know, just saying like, hey, like really earnestly, I want to be the place that gives you what you want for the next phase of your career. Like that alone is huge, as opposed to tell me why we should, we should hire you. Right. you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like my dad used to hire, right? <laughs> we're redesigning our career site at uh, our current web, web page. So we're meeting with the HR team yesterday. And and I would say 75% of that hour was on how do we communicate how important culture is and the great culture we have here. Like we everyone is just genuinely excited to be working with each other. And it really is a place where no one's going to stab me in the back. Like everyone really is out for the right. Really like it's, it's great. It hasn't always been, you know, I have a good place. It's always been that way. So I'm very appreciative, but I think you're right. Like, especially today where, there's another job, you know, there's eight jobs you could take. Like it's not, there's a, well, no, it's, it's a uh, very candidate friendly right now. And I, you know, a lot of CMOs in my role, like I'm not going to be able to compete with Amazons and the, you know, the Oracles and the micro, like that's a different job. Like if you want to get that experience, I'd, I'd say, you get it. I got it. And I'm glad I have it I'm in my background. So you should go do that. Cause that's not who I'm going to, I'm not even going to worry about it. If that's really your, where you want to go. Then you go try that. But I do think more and more, it is about what, what does this experience look like for you? And how does this help you achieve what you want to go do in your career? Because that is really what we're about here. And we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to make some mistakes. We're going to learn a lot. And again, the goal is, and this is self-serving, but I've probably been on, I you know I can count on three amazing teams in my career that I was a part of, not necessarily leading. And it's people I still go on vacations with, that you know, I'm in tech strings with, and we still share information with, because we had this really great shared experience together with. And that's, That's what I try to create for my teams as well. And I think people today, especially whether you're here in Nashville where I am or, you know, I'm interviewing you in Seattle and, you know, and you're still interviewing for the job. I want you to feel like you are going to be a part of the team. You're a full member no matter where you are. You don't have to be in the office to feel like you're going to be a part of the experience that we're going to create together. And I think that's important for how you feel uh, about filling your team as well. Do people respond to that? Are they in that for the right reasons? Um, and And you have to take all that in consideration before you hire as well.
0: Awesome. This has been fabulous. I've learned so much. So thank you so much for being on the show,
1: Guy. I loved it, Erica. Thanks for um, everything you do. And um, I love this podcast and the community that you built. And uh, I really just feel thankful on this day to to be talking to you today. So thank you very much.
0: That was Guy Weissmantel, the chief marketer from Nashville's FinTech SaaS Darling N Contracts, sharing some great tips on scaling. Next time on The Get, you'll hear from someone who did a marketing transformation, a rebranding, and an IPO process all at the same time. Join us next time to hear from Justin Steinman, the CMO at Definitive Healthcare. Thanks for listening to The Get. I'm your host, Erica Seidel. Hiring great marketing leaders is not easy. The Get is designed to inspire smart decisions around recruiting and leadership in B2B SaaS marketing. We explore the trends, tribulations, and triumphs of today's top marketing leaders in B2B SaaS. This season's theme is solving for the scale journey. If you liked this episode, please share it. For other insights on recruiting great marketing leaders, what I call the make money marketing leaders rather than the make it pretty ones, follow me on LinkedIn. You can also sign up for my newsletter at theconnectivegood.com. The Get is produced by Evo and Simpler Media Productions.